Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, team previews, we roll on tonight, talking about the Pitt super weapon, the Pitt Panthers, and we are bringing back one of our favorite longest standing guests. Uh, Who's the super weapon, Joey? (laughs) It could be any time. It's when a, an eight-win pit team interrupts a national championship campaign by Clemson and they win. It's when they randomly find ways to go in and knock off Notre Dame and South Bend. It's You never know when the pitch super weapon is going to strike, but it can only strike once, Mike. That's what we know. That's what we know. It can only strike once for a team that's consistently around 500. <laughs> yeah, we... Um, Pitt is a really interesting team year in and year out, and they they just have a habit of being in a lot of games that a lot of people don't expect that they'll ever be in. So um, we we did have Mr. Jim Hammett rejoin the pro, the uh, the program. He's been our our longstanding uh, Pitt uh, specialist resident here, I guess. I don't know what to call him, but um, we've had Jim on several times talking about Pittsburgh and it's, it's interesting year over year kind of watching how this program has changed under Pat Narduzzi and going into 2020, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how there is a lot coming back and a lot of reason to think that this team could and, and would be quite a bit better, but you know, there, there's a couple things that they got to address first, you know, so I, I felt like we had a really good conversation with Jim here, Mike. I always like bringing Jim on because He's always optimistic, but then he's always ready to just, like, hit you with the facts. You know what I mean? He's very realistic Mm -hmm. about what the expectations are for the program. And, like, every time we have him on, he relays that same enthusiasm about Pittsburgh while also tempering expectations for a fan base that does expect a lot out of a program that it, it might not be too reasonable for some of the expectations that they have. So I, I think he does a really good job of kind of you know, merging those two paths together. And you'll see a lot of that once again in here in our conversation tonight. So, um, Mike, without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into that. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, here is our conversation with Mr. Jim Hammett about the 2020 Pitt football season. Take a listen. All right, Mike, we now welcome back one of our long-standing guests here covering the Pitt Panthers for PantherLair.com on the Rivals Network. Mr. Jim Hammett rejoins the program. Jim, welcome back. It is is great to have you back. Looking forward to talking a little bit of Pitt football tonight. Uh, how are you doing, sir? Are you hanging in there? I'm doing well. Um, you know, I guess we're going to try to get ready for a season. It feels good to actually be uh, talking football, and it's always good to be on the show with you guys. Yeah, as we uh, record here the evening of August the 17th, as far as we know, there is still football to be played this fall. So until we hear otherwise, I guess we're just going to keep 
previewing and, and talking about what what is to come, I suppose. So, Jim, let's jump in and talk about Pitt in 2020. And this is a conversation that we've had in in recent years and, and looking a little bit at, at Pat Narduzzi and his tenure at Pittsburgh. Um, he, he brings back a, a total continuity of the coaching staff. We were talking before this that he brings back not only his coordinators from last year, Mark Whipple and Randy Bates, but also all of the assistants. So all 11 of the official coaching staff intact from last year. That's a pretty big deal for any team um, as they kind of move from one season to the next. But looking at Narduzzi, it's it's interesting to me, and I guess this could kind of go a couple of ways, is that if you look at his tenure, overall record is 36 and 29. So he's only a few games over 500. He is 26 and uh, 24 and 16 in conference. So um, winning about 60% of the games there. But at the same time, he's never really had a season where the record finished better than eight and five. Um, and, and so I guess as much as I am the coach hater for some programs around this conference at this point, um, I, I'm more just curious to know kind of what is the general feeling on Narduzzi and his his tenure here at Pittsburgh? Like, is there really a lot of clamoring to say, man, we really need to do better than an eight win season here or there? Or is it just, I guess, more satisfaction with a consistently above average performance that his teams have seemed to provide to this fan base? You know, it can go both ways. And, you know, prior to Pat Narduzzi, you saw that kind of that weird stretch where Pitt went from, you know, Dave Wanstead to Todd Graham to Paul Chris, like all right in a row. So there was that kind of sense that, you know, the school said, like, we can't just keep doing this. We kind of got to get someone in here, uh, stabilize things. And that's what Pat Narduzzi has done. Uh, it's taken a few years, but, I, you know, he's kindly kind of built up his identity as a football coach and as a program. Um, you know, Pitt's going to try to run the ball on offense uh, and they're going to play good defense. And it took a while for it to happen. But uh, I think he's finally found that identity of being, you know, a good defensive football team, much like Michigan State. And that's what everyone thought was going to happen when Pat Narduzzi came to Pitt. So uh, in a sense, I think people were kind of happy to, you know, you kind of know what you're getting a little bit. But there's also aspirations. You do want to finish higher than eight and five. And like you said, the conference record is actually pretty good. Um, it's, it's, you know, so many years where, you know, Pitt's played some really tough non-conference schedules and you almost look, if you look at each season, if you could, you know, add another win, you know, it wouldn't look so bad, but uh, there's some years where Pitt would play Oklahoma state and central Florida and Penn state and Notre Dame, and it would just kind of catch up with them. So I think there is a sense that this is kind of the year where, you know, he has 18 seniors, a third year starting quarterback, senior uh, you know, top 20 defense coming back. So I think a lot of Pitt fans, um, and even probably, you know, in ACC circles, I think people think this Pitt team can be pretty good. And before uh, everything that happened with the schedule change and, you know, what have you, I think Pitt was thought to be one of the two or three teams that could win the Coastal. Um, and, you know, everything's a lot different now. But at, at the end of the day, it's still 10 ACC games. It's still, you know, a, a veteran team. And it's a coach that's been there for now it is uh, his sixth season. Uh, so I think around the fan base, it's not like he's on the hot seat, but it's also this is probably the year you need to do better than eight and five. Jim, how's the fan base feeling about Kenny Pickett as a quarterback? He enters the season, obviously, coming into his senior year. He had that really huge win kind of in relief as a freshman. Um when he came in and played obviously really well in that Miami game, 
but now you kind of flip the switch now and, and move back forward throughout his career. It's been very up and down for Pitt as a whole, but now he's got a really good defense. He's got an experienced running game coming back and he's proven that he can be efficient as a play action passer. So how do you feel about um, his prospects heading into the new year? And what are Pitt fans' expectations for Pickett as a quarterback here as he enters the senior season? Well, last year was his first year he threw for 3,000 yards. Um, he wasn't overly efficient, but uh, he still, you know, displayed the, the ability to throw a lot more than the 2018 version, Kenny Pickett. Uh, that's the year when Pitt really relied on the running game with Kadri Olison and Darren Hall. He was kind of asked to be more of a game manager that season. You know, last year he was asked to kind of lead the offense a little bit more with some mixed results. Um, I think overall, I think Pitt fans generally like Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, he's found his way into uh, some some interesting wins. I mean, he's. I think last year I, I, he was the only quarterback that I know of that threw for a game-winning touchdown pass, uh, rushed for a game-winning touchdown run, and he caught a game-winning touchdown pass against Central Florida. So he always finds these ways to kind of, you know, eke out a win at the end of the day. I think the hope is this this year is that, you don't need that miracle drive with two minutes left to win the game. It'd be nice to, you know, maybe have a lead and, you know, have to pull one out of the hat at the end of the game. But I think Kenny Pickett is, he's a solid quarterback. I think he, with a good season, uh, you know, he, he can kind of be that Nate Peterman that was uh, successful for Pitt maybe four or five years ago and, you know, kind of worked his way into the NFL a little bit. So I think he has a lot of intangibles. He's very respected in the locker room. Uh, I think he's just a, you know, he's a hardworking player. And like I said, he does have that knack for coming up with a big play. Again, with the entire Pitt program, it's, yeah, he's good enough, but you want a little bit more. And I think uh, Pitt fans are hoping he does take that final step as a senior. And Jim, that, that really kind of answers a question that I've been thinking about. I, I don't want to harp on this for too long, but is the idea, you know, that depending on the way that we look at Kenny Pickett's stats, it could turn into a very positive or, you know, otherwise kind of thing, depending on the way that you want to slice him up. I mean, on, on one hand, it's it's kind of cool that he's able to sit there and, and throw 470 passes for 61.5% completion, but at the same time, those 470 passes resulted in 13 touchdowns and nine interceptions all year and, and was uh, pretty – pretty low bottom of the barrel in terms of qualifying quarterbacks and yards per attempt. And so I guess that's, that's the question that I had in my mind is would Pitt be better off moving on from Kenny Pickett? But it sounds like right now, given kind of who else is there and the experience there, the answer is probably just no, they wouldn't. See, I, I don't think so either. I do think uh, with uh, there was news recently that Pitt's uh, transfer quarterback from Arizona state, Joey Yellen was granted immediate eligibility he played one last one game last year for Arizona State, so I think you know he's the heir apparent there. Um, but I, I don't think moving on from Kenny Pickett's the answer. As I kind of said, he is that kind of that team leader. He's the team captain. Uh, you know, people really rally around him. So, like you said, those numbers they're it's kind of smoke and mirrors in a, some ways. But in other ways, he did take a step forward from 2018, where he just wasn't a really good passer at all. So last year he did have some big games. He went into Penn State last year. I think he had a career day against a pretty good Nittany line defense. So he's able to do it. I think it's not just him. I think it was a little play calling. I think Pitt was one of the you know, leaders in the country and dropped passes, but it really came down to red zone offense for Pitt last season. So I think just the second year of Mark Whipple and Kenny Pitt kind of working together, 
I think it's going to be a little bit better. I mean, this is a weird off season where they might not have had as many reps as they normally would have. But uh, you have Mark Whipple has been around the game for a long time. Kenny Pickett's a senior. I, you know, I, I think a lot of signs are pointing to that this year can be better. All right, Jim, the running game. A.J. Davis, Vincent Davis, both back, both pretty solid last year. Um, you know, A.J. Davis averaging over four yards per carry. Vincent Davis over five yards per carry combined for nine touchdowns on the ground. Reasonable to expect that they take a step forward as well. Yeah, I, I think the big thing, and that kind of goes along with uh, talking about Kenny Pickett, is the running game does need to get a little bit better. Uh, you know, Pitt went from having that two 1,000-yard back in 2018 uh, prior to that was James Conner. So it never really seemed like any of the backs uh, just seized the role last year. A.J. Davis had some moments, but he was injured at times. Vincent Davis is a true freshman, and uh, I would say he's listed at 175 pounds, and that might be generous. Uh, he's kind of that big play threat, but he's you know not very durable at this stage in his career. So I think they're looking for a little bit more in the running game. Uh, I You know, Right off the bat, uh, there's a freshman a lot of people are talking about, uh, Izzy Abinaconda from New York City. Uh, he's 5'11", 200 as a freshman. And I, there's actually a lot of uh, optimism around him that he may come in and you know, get some carries right off the bat. And, and Jim, again, as we talk about Kenny Pickett going into year three, the, the good news for him is not only does he have the law firm of Davis and Davis in the backfield returning for him, but He's also got pretty much all of his receivers coming back as well. And, and so, of course, they, they did lose Maurice Fafrench out of this receiving core. But otherwise, Tazir Mack, Shockey Jacques-Louis, um, again, A.J. Davis caught a lot of passes last year out of the backfield. The weapons that he has returning around him, and not to mention the offensive line as well, there is a ton of returning production on this offense. And again, in year two under the same coordinator, should be a lot of consistency and some growth this really does set up to be one of the better pit offenses we've seen under Pat Narduzzi. I, I would agree with that. I do think Tastier Mack is a, he's a good receiver. He's six two. He's kind of, you know, Maurice French was more of the, you know, get him the ball in space, that type of player. But Tastier Mack was kind of the deep threat, the guy you, you, you try to get one-on-one -on -one situations. And again, like I, I said, Pitt did have some problems dropping passes last year. And Tastier Mack, as good as he is, he did come come down with some uh, some bad drops. So it really comes down to consistency for those guys. But, yeah, Shockey Jacques-Louis, he's a, he's a very electric uh, junior. He came up with some big plays last year. And someone that came on strong late in the season that was a true freshman, uh, Jared Wayne. Uh, he's kind of 6'4", a, a different type of receiver than uh, some of the other guys. And another name I do want to throw in there, which – I think Trey Tipton might have actually been here before Pat Narduzzi came. I think this is his sixth year as well, but he, he's just had so many terrible injuries and it's just never worked out for him, but he started to play a little bit last year. So he's actually someone you almost want to root for because it's year six and he's like barely played, but I think he's another guy that'll catch some passes this year for Kenny Pickett. Jim, what were the expectations of the defense going into last year versus what they ended up being? Because from Joey and I's standpoint, the defense for Pittsburgh, it was kind of like, all right, well, Pat Narduzzi had this great defense at Michigan State, came over to Pittsburgh, and really they hadn't lived up to expectations. I feel like last year was the first year where we really took a step back, looked at the Pittsburgh defense and said, wow, that's the defense we were expecting all along under Pat Narduzzi. 
what are the expectations now? Can they, you know, consistently have that defense uh, post the numbers that we saw a year ago? Is this something they can build upon from what they had last year? What does this defense look like moving forward into 2020? And is this something that can be sustainable under Pat Narduzzi now um, as he enters another year um, at the helm for Pittsburgh? I, I do think it's it's somewhat sustainable. I mean, right now they are a veteran team. They do have some high-end talent uh, on that starting defense. So it, it's going to be interesting from 2020 to 2021 where, where a lot of things can happen there. But uh, if you look at a Pat Narduzzi recruiting class, you, you, sometimes you wonder, it's like, do they really need five or six defensive ends in every class? But at the end of the day, that's the strength of a team. Uh, they like to get after the quarterback. They like to play uh, man coverage. And uh, it, it, that that's just the identity of Pitt. And that was the identity of uh, Michigan State for many years. But heading into this season, uh, you know, Pitt was 15th in the country in total defense and yards allowed. Uh, they were second in the country in sacks. Um, you know, they still gave up a few too many big plays that you don't like. But I think that's kind of the nature of how they play. They, they, they like to, you know, put their corners on Island and really rely on the pass rush. So you kind of bend and break with that. But I think uh, heading into the season and beyond, I think Pitt's identity as a school, as a football team under Pat Narduzzi, it's, it should be a good defense. It took a little bit longer than uh, many expected, but I guess going back, looking to the early days of D'Antonio at Michigan state, it was a little similar. Uh, you kind of have to have the right personnel to play the way you're going to play, but I think he's at a point now where he's getting good, solid uh, football players that know how to play his defense. And last year, it really kind of showed up in, in a big way. The other thing, Jim, that wasn't really lost on me last year with the defense was it was year two under Randy Bates, who came over from Northwestern. And I remember being a little bit um, not sold, I guess, on that hire when they made it, because I think he he wasn't a, a coordinator at Northwestern and it was like, okay, you went and hired a position coach as your new coordinator, but clearly something really clicked and, and worked there. And honestly, I think that what not only me, but a ton of people found to be like the most impressive part of it all was his defense was as good as it was after losing arguably the best player on the defense to an injury in preseason camp and Rashad Weaver. And so in, in his, in his absence, the defense was still something really, truly remarkable. Yeah, that was kind of the big thing last year. And, you know, losing Rashad Weaver, I think it was the second day at camp, and I, they lost Keyshawn Camp uh, in the first half of the season opener against Virginia. So right away, you lose two, uh, two of your top defensive linemen, and you, you really didn't know what else you had. But, uh, you know, Patrick Jones stepped up in a big way at defensive end. He was an all-ACC performer. Uh, Jalen Twyman, uh, who is not playing this year, he has opted out for personal reasons, uh, obviously, with the virus and everything going on, but he was another player that stepped up in a big way. And he's kind of, he was kind of like a baby Aaron Donald uh, switches number to 97. So you, you had those guys up front and, you know, in, in the back, what really made it work is you had Dane Jackson an NFL cornerback that was drafted by the bills this off season. And uh, really the, the two uh, hometown kids at safety, DeMar Hamlin and Paris Ford, uh, two Pittsburgh kids, four-star recruits, they really kind of blossom into good players. Those, kind of those defensive backs you saw at Michigan State for all those years, uh, they really kind of took on that role, and they're both back this season, and expectations are high for, for the secondary as well. 
All right, Jim, from a schedule standpoint, just kind of running through this, um, Miami of Ohio in the opener, September 12th. And then after that, it seems like you have a winnable game against Syracuse on the docket there on the 19th. Having four straight home games to open up the season seems like a really good place to be with really that toughest one coming on the 26th against Louisville. What do you think is reasonable through that stretch, I guess, through early October? Miami, Ohio, Syracuse, Louisville, and NC State looks like on the schedule. Well, actually, uh, the, the Miami-Ohio game is off at this point because of the max, max done with football. Um, so they're possibly looking for a replacement season opener. Uh, nothing's been confirmed yet. So that, that, that kind of makes it tricky. So, you know, even talking to the players today over Zoom, uh, we were asking them, do you know when your season starts? Is it the 12th or the 19th? And they, they actually don't know at this point because they don't know if they're getting a new non-conference game. But, you know, to start the year with Syracuse, uh, Louisville and NC State at home, nonetheless. I, I, I mean, I think, you know, Syracuse and NC State are certainly winnable. And I, I, I really like that Louisville game because I think you have one of the, you know, sneaky good offenses in the ACC against one of the very best defenses in the ACC. So it's kind of a, you know, it's going to be strength on strength against each other on the field that day. So, I, you know, I, you don't know what college football is going to look like you don't know if there's fans there you don't know if it matters if the game's at home or on the road but uh like i said i i think two and one certainly reasonable i don't think uh louisville is a, a game they they possibly couldn't win either i again it's a good offense against a good defense so it, it's it's going to be weird to see how this season opens if they do find another non-conference game but i i i think if they do it's probably going to be you know, a conference USA team, a Sunbelt team. So I think you're looking at a three and one start more than likely, maybe four and out. Jim, just from kind of a higher level, looking at this schedule, it is, it is pretty well balanced. Um, you know, a couple of tough tests at home, a couple of tough tests on the road, but it's not like it's a total murderer's row from either standpoint. Um, but probably the least amount of balances you guys are kind of alluding to is that with three home games to start the year means that you've got five of your last seven on the road. Um, but you get a bye week there in the middle to kind of help, uh, help recover. Just looking at this and knowing kind of what the expectations are um, or should be, I guess, is really the question is what do you feel like is a reasonable record expectation from this schedule? And do you personally have a record prediction for Pittsburgh against the schedule they have laid out in front of them? Yeah, I, I think seven and three is not out of the question. You know, I the, the only two teams you look at that schedule and and you say, you know, you're you're probably not going to go down to Clemson and win. And Notre Dame's obviously a tough game. I mean, aside from that, I mean, Virginia Tech's obviously tough. Florida State still just talented, even if there's some question marks there. And same thing with Miami. So, you, you know, that's where kind of Pitt finds himself in all the time. It's you know, you look at all these pick games in the past few years, especially last year. I mean, it's every game for them comes down to that last drive. Everything, it's like they lost to Boston College by seven. They beat Carolina by seven in overtime. Uh, Georgia Tech game had no business being close, but it was a 10-point game. I mean, every game, Pitts kind of finds itself in these weird games. And and at the same time, that's kind of the whole ACC overall. So, um but I, I think seven and three is doable. But you know, I only look at Clemson and Notre Dame as the two losses for sure. But everything else, there's a lot of coin flips in there. What do you think the floor is, Jim? 
you know, that, that's, that's also tricky. And you wonder with, you know, one of your best players already opting out, does the second guy, does a Paris Ford want to take a, take a seat this year? Does Patrick Jones want to do it? And you know, that then, then things can get a little dicey. You go from having this great defense to just an okay defense. And if you have just an okay defense with, you know, an offense that still needs to prove itself, then things can definitely, you know, you, you could be looking at a five and five type of season. That would be that would be worst case, I think, looking at this. Um, but again, I mean, a team with as much continuity as they have, both in the coaching staff and on the on the on the roster and and all this. I mean, looking at the schedule, it's it sets up. It should be a uh, I, I think a fairly good year for Pitt football. I, I think that's the uh, the table's been set for this to be a pretty good year for the Panthers. And I mean, Mike, you tell me if you disagree. I don't. I mean, I don't. I, I have a hard time seeing Pitt going worse than six and four personally. Um, you know, and, and then that's just the ACC schedule, obviously, a non-conference game, notwithstanding. But yeah, I, I think it would be hard to envision Pittsburgh being any worse than I, I think five and five, Jim. I, I'm with you. I think that's the absolute floor. I think more than likely the floor is six and four. There's just too much coming back defensively, even with Twyman out. It's just a really talented defense. Kenny Pickett's a senior quarterback. That does matter. I I don't think he's like a fantastic quarterback, but I also don't think he's going to make all these mistakes. It's going to cost you football games. And if the running game just gets a little bit better, you know, I think the floor is raised just from the fact that you have a, you know, a pretty average to above average running game and a very good defense. I mean, that's going to keep you in games in the ACC. So I think, yeah, that, that five, six win range is probably the floor. And I, and I think they could win seven or eight. Well, Jim, really appreciate your time here and all the insights and helping us preview the pit football season. Um, as mentioned, you are one of the longer standing guests on this podcast since we've been doing it. I don't know that we ever talked to anybody else about pit. So thanks again for your continuing contributions here. Um, wanted to see if you, I mean, is there, you want to tell the people where they can go find your stuff on the internet? Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jim Hammett, H A M M. E-T-T, and uh, we're at pittsburgh.rivals.com, panther-lair.com. Uh, we're covering pit football, basketball, and recruiting uh, 365 days out of the year. Um, you know, even during these uh, times when there has been a lot of sports, uh, we've still been managing to pump out content, uh, talk about football, talk about just about anything. And, you know, we do have the best uh, pit community on the Internet. Um, you know, we are the, we are the leaders there. So if, if you want to join and talk to football, we have thousands of people on our message board and we're always doing something. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much. Really appreciate your time here tonight and, uh, stay safe out there. And we look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Sounds good guys. I always, always love joining this podcast. You guys, you guys do a good one. <laughs> Thanks Jim. Appreciate it, Jim. Catch you later, man. Thank you. All right, Mike, that was Jim Hammett. Uh, Again, pretty reasonably high expectations for this program to start really taking another step forward in year six under Pat Narduzzi. Got the full roster ready to go for Pitt. But as we look at the schedule again, there are some really tough games in there. And so looking at it, I, I will say I think as good as this defense was last year and figures to be again this year, and again, how well balanced a lot of this team is and the schedule is, 
I the seven and three prediction sounds about right, and I, I, I agree that this probably it couldn't bottom out really any worse than like five and five. But I, I the seven and three number sounds right to me. I think Pitt is a a pretty big contender in what normally would be the coastal at least. Yeah, Pitt should be pretty good. Um, I'm gonna go with six and four. So they have look they they do have some of their like swing games at home, right? Like they have Louisville September 26th, second game of the year. That's going to be a pretty important game for them. Notre Dame October 24th, pretty substantial game there, obviously. And then they have Virginia Tech at home on November 21st, and they give Virginia Tech a lot of trouble at Heinz Field. So they have some of those like substantial swing games at home. They're probably going to be about a two touchdown underdog, maybe a little bit less than that since they're at home. They're going to be at the very least a 10 point underdog to Notre Dame on October 24th. Notre Dame should be a top 10 program pretty much all year with what they have returning offensively and defensively. But every time Notre Dame goes to Heinz Field, much like Virginia Tech, they also have a lot of trouble uh, dealing with the Panthers. The game that I have my eye on, Joey, October 10th, they're on the road at BC right before going on the road to Miami the following week. You're a month into the season. You have a Boston College team that you should win, right? Like you should win that game. A Boston College team that's rebuilding. They have a new coach. They have a new quarterback. They lose A.J. Dillon at running back. Like Boston College should not be a very good football team this year. But at the same time, they give Pittsburgh a lot of trouble on a very consistent basis. Anytime they play Pittsburgh, BC seems to just muddy that game up and make it ugly and just hang around way longer than they should. And they ended up winning that game a year ago, which in reality, Pittsburgh had no business losing that football game. So that's a huge game because in my opinion, and we talked about this earlier, this is a trap game, right? You have Miami on the 17th on the road. Miami's a really good team. It's easy to get up to go play Miami on the road um, in Miami Gardens. That's a, a game you can get up for as a Pittsburgh fan. It's not all that fun to go up to Chestnut Hill and play a Boston College team that has no expectations, isn't expecting to win more than two or three games this year. It's not fun to go play that game. And you have that right before you go to Miami. And, you know, Pittsburgh is going to be a team through the month of September that's going to have a chance to, you know, potentially be three and zero at worst, two and one, going into that football game against Boston College. So it's one of those situations where Pittsburgh should be looking at a top twenty-five ranking at that point in time, and with the rest of the schedule and the tough games in front of them, the Boston College one is an easy one to kind of let slip by and knock it up for. So I look at that game as, as a pretty pivotal game, a game that Pittsburgh should win, but it's something to keep an eye on. And then a little bit later in the season, you know, they have a stretch where, you know, they have Notre Dame at home on the 24th. Like I mentioned, they go on the road to Florida State two weeks later. So they do have a bye week before that Florida State game at Georgia Tech, home against Virginia Tech at Clemson. So if you're able to make it out of that stretch three and one, you're looking at a seven and three season um, and, and potentially even better. Um, depending on how that Notre Dame game turns out. I'm going to go with six and four for Pittsburgh. Um, I, I think that they lose to Notre Dame. I think they lose to Clemson. And then I, I think with Louisville, Florida State, and Virginia Tech on the schedule, I, I think it's certainly possible they lose two of those four games. Um, so I'm going to go with six and four for Pittsburgh. 
Um, and I'm going to say that is the floor. I think it could be better, but I have trouble seeing them get over eight wins because even if they do beat Notre Dame in an upset there, I think there's enough tough games on the schedule to make it difficult to see Pittsburgh do much better than eight and two, maybe nine and two, depending on if they get that non-conference game rescheduled. Yeah. And again, this being kind of well-balanced home away, the home opponents you have, the first three games of the year, Syracuse, Louisville, NC State, and then you have Notre Dame, and then you have Virginia Tech. I mean, that's Syracuse and NC State, much more winnable. And I, I would generally think that they probably win at least one of the Louisville, Notre Dame, and Virginia Tech games. And as we've talked about, you know, Virginia Tech had a lot of problems with Pittsburgh at Heinz Field in, in recent years. So um, that's worth noting. Then you go to the the road schedule, and it's at Boston College, at Miami, at Florida State, at Georgia Tech, at Clemson. Clemson, just you know what? If you win that game, you can keep the ball. That's fine. Like <laughs> I don't don't expect much of anybody to win those games, especially you know that last game before the ACC championship. I mean, it's scheduled for November twenty eighth at Clemson. Just let's go ahead and cut your losses on that one. But at BC, at Miami, at Florida State, at Georgia Tech, I mean, should they win probably at least three of those four? Depending on what you think of the team, yeah. I mean, now I don't know that I would say any of those games, as, as we kind of mentioned about Boston College and even Georgia Tech, I mean, later in the year, that team, we don't know what they'll be to start the year or to finish the year. I mean, there, there could be a lot of stuff in play. Um, again, Miami, Florida State, a lot of expectations in both of those places. So I, I don't think – Pitt necessarily should be expected to run the table on those four, but, you know, still could win at least two, if not three of those. So I don't know. I, I, I do think a worst case scenario, again, probably sits at five and five, but I think just with the improvements that we saw last year that we had been struggling to see in recent years before that, I, I six and four seems the most logical. And yet I, I think we probably adjust that. In my mind, I'm going to adjust that by one and say seven and three. Um, I think this figures to be a pretty good pit team. Again, they figure to have a pretty salty, nasty defense, um, and, and that'll cause plenty of problems, especially in a couple of these teams. Again, you look at a Miami that has a new offensive, offensive coordinator, a new quarterback potentially, and they've barely been able to practice in the offseason. A, a really good defense is going to give that a lot of problems, right? Um, so I, I – I'm going to say seven and three. I don't know that I feel really comfortable picking out exactly which are the seven wins and the three losses, but I think that's my prediction kind of looking at what's, what's coming back the way the schedule lays out all that. Um, I've, I feel pretty good about Pitt here this year. And then 2021, we might be looking at a little bit of a step back as some guys graduate and um, a little bit of a rebuilding year perhaps. But for this year, I, I think they set up pretty nicely here in the ACC. Or a step forward, depending on how you feel about Kenny Pickett. <laughs> Which, again, back to my question, you know, he's he's not bad, but you might have someone better. Maybe. Like, yeah, like in your neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> Could be anywhere, Mike. Could be anywhere. Um, all right, so you've got Pitt at 6-4. and four. I've got him at 7-3 and three this year. I, again, I might be a little bit optimistic, and once again, there's 150 games being played and I'm probably going to pick about 185 wins between all these teams. So we'll check the math on that later, but uh, Mike, anything else on Pitt before we get out of here? Not really. They have a chance to be pretty decent, but uh, man, they, they have a defined ceiling 
because of their offense. So it's got to be a pretty substantial step forward in the running game. And Kenny Pickett's got to be a lot better if they want to be like, not even seven and three. I'm talking like real good, like eight or nine wins. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. I think seven wins is probably the ceiling realistically. Yeah. Well, and the the other thing that I I was going to point out too, and that kind of realized as we were going through this and mentioned, well, Kenny Pickett threw for 13 touchdowns last year and Davis and Davis ran for nine touchdowns. It was like, Wait, how many touchdowns did Pitt score on the year? And Pittsburgh finished 2019 with a grand total of 30 touchdowns, which is really not many, and yet they still won eight games. Like, yep. That defense was they didn't have to score that much. Yeah. How many touchdowns did Clemson score again? Uh, 88. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, room for improvement, we'll say, to say the yeah. least. Yeah, by a lot. <laughs> all right, Mike, that's all I got on Pitt. Anything else? I think we're good. All right. Let's get out of here and go preview some more teams. Uh, in the meantime, you guys can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SI. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Appreciate those who have. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you guys can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker. I think Google's changing their platform again, by the way. I think I heard something about that. So whatever they're going to, you probably find us there as well. Um, wherever you get podcasts, you can find us there. So please do. Thanks to those who have. And Mike, uh, do you want to tell them where they can find us in the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Yes, please. Yes, please. Thanks to those who have once again. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I've got on Pittsburgh here. Anything else before we get out of here? On to the next preview. Yes, sir. You want to go back and preview some more teams? Yep. I think we got to. We do. We're getting there. We are getting there. Yeah, it it is. We're getting there slowly, but surely towards football season, teams getting previewed, all that. So uh, we will come back and do that again soon. And we will talk then. Yep. All right. Well, for that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.